What's going on here? Can you all hear me all right? I can hear myself incredibly well, standing right in front of the speaker. Good evening, everyone. Do you want to grab a Bible? Uh, just hi, firstly. Uh, great to see you all here. Welcome. Welcome to Worship in the Round. You all enjoying it? What's the sort of ratio? Who, who's loving it, the, the setup? Looks amazing, doesn't it? Who's feeling a little, bit, a little bit uncomfortable, if they're honest? Too uncomfortable to raise your hand. Thank you, thank you, Francois, Sam, just the alpha males leading by example. <laughs> thank you. Right, we're in Matthew 7. Grab a Bible, page 919. Chapter 7. From verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Let's keep that open. Let's pray together as we start. Lord, thank you so much for your words here. These two brief verses but verses packed full of meaning and significance for us, our lives, our world. We pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would come and rest on each one of us. Give us grace to understand your word, to see you and your call clearly in it. give us the power, Lord, to live and respond accordingly to what you're calling us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I learned something quite interesting this week. Um, have you guys heard of the continental divide of the Americas? Anyone? No. Well, I learned about it. Anyway, back to our reading. Uh, no. <laughs> There's a continental divide in the Americas. I guess it's where the tectonic plates meet and the sort of mountains plunge upwards. And um, this divide, which goes all the way from Alaska down through Canada into North America, then to Mexico, and then all the way down through South America, this divide will determine uh, the watershed, the rainfall that falls on it. It will determine whether that rain heads over to the Atlantic or over the, to the Pacific. And they say that at any point along the Atlantic Divide, if you were to go up to its peak, find the center place, and put a house there with a roof like that, like a normal roof, that could determine, with the rainfall and raindrops falling, whether one raindrop would end up in the Atlantic or whether it would end up in the Pacific. 
Isn't that amazing? To picture that you could have two raindrops falling all the way from the heavens, from the clouds, falling side by side, practically touching. And yet, depending how they hit this roof, will determine whether they end up one side of the nation or the other, in the Pacific or the Atlantic. Amazing. Just a fraction of an inch. Just a fine line, a fine margin, determining different destinations. That's a bit like our reading today. You see, Jesus is saying here that there is a fine line. That there is a fine margin for each one of us. That in fact, there is just one decision to be made. One choice that will determine our final destination. That will determine where we spend eternity. We're coming to the end of our series. In fact, we end it today. Our series, the series we've been in, looking at Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. And don't you think it's just been amazing to see Jesus' teaching? Hasn't it been good just to spend the last few months in this? I mean, (laughs) a sermon that he probably gave within an hour, 45 minutes. We've just drawn from it for months, weeks. It's awesome, challenging. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is... What he's doing is he's opening up, giving a vision of what true Judaism looks like. In in fact, he's gone further. He's raised the bar on people's expectations of the religious life, of Jewish life, of what the law calls them to do. You may remember, we've mentioned it a few times, his call in looking at it, his challenge is that our righteousness, the righteousness of his hearers, must exceed the Pharisees, the teachers of the law if they're to have a vision of God and be united with him. Exceed them. What? The most religious guys of the time. He raises the bar. Must have left all of his hearers then, leaves us today asking, who can fulfill this? Who can live this life? It's the age-old question being framed another way. The most important question anyone can ever ask. How do we get to heaven? That's what they're asking. Who can live this way? And in answering this question, in in giving this whole sermon, Jesus comes into land. He reaches his climax here by speaking these words, the words we've just heard read. Two short verses that are possibly the most radical and controversial words ever spoken. In them, we hear him speak of two gates, two roads, two destinations, two groups of people. But one choice. Let's look at each of these pairs in turn. Two gates. Do you know, this isn't a trick question, do you know how offensive you are to the world around you? If you're a follower of Jesus, that is. I mean, not for any other reason. I mean, we can leave that and deal with that another time. Come and get some prayer at the end. Um, But if you're a follower of Jesus, do you know how offensive you are to the world around you? 
Because if you don't, I want to suggest that you perhaps haven't grasped the uniqueness of Jesus Christ and the challenge that he presents to our world. And therefore, the challenge that each of you presents as one of his followers. Keep in mind, right, that that the goal of the whole Sermon on the Mount, the goal is righteousness and perfection. Jesus raising the bar, saying murder. It's not enough just not to murder someone. You can't even shout racker at someone, whatever that means. Or fool, adultery. People think they're fine as long as they're not sleeping with someone who's not their wife. Jesus says, no, not just that. You can't even look at a woman lustfully or a man. People are like, what? You just raised the bar. Righteousness, perfection. The law demands it, Jesus says. The Jews are pursuing it. And Jesus is here in this sermon teaching all about it. And in doing so, Jesus calls for his hearers and calls us today to enter through the narrow gate. He says that only this gate leads to the right road. He says that only that road leads to life, leads to heaven. And he says that all others, all that would make up the wide gate and the broad road, all the other paths available in life, all of them outside of him, lead to death and destruction. Quite a gate, if we're honest. I mean, goodness me, what a gate. So what is this gate? And how narrow is it? Well, I think the Bible tells us exactly how narrow this gate is. And I want to suggest tonight, put it to you, that this gate is about about that narrow. Give or take. Shoulder width narrow. Jesus width narrow. Because you see, the stunning truth is that this gate is not a normal gate made of stone or metal or wood. This gate is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said in John chapter 10, verse 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. In other words, in these two verses, in this One claim, Jesus is saying that in order to be perfect, in order to be righteous, in order to be acceptable in God's sight, we've got to come through him and him alone. I mean, isn't it it breathtaking? You grasping it? And what a bombshell to a Jewish mindset. I mean, to his hearers who would say to themselves, well, hang on, we've, we've got the law. We've got the covenants between God and our forefathers. We're God's people. 
They thought they were fine. They thought they were on the right track. But now here's a humble carpenter from Nazareth telling them that if they don't come through him, if they don't enter through the narrow gate, if they don't trust in his finished work on Calvary, that ultimately they're on the road to destruction. Shocking. Ridiculous. Ridiculously narrow, no? I mean, think about it. To get where the culture's at today. Ridiculously narrow. We're saying it's down to one man. One man and his shoulder width. Crazy. And it would, of course, be ridiculous if he was just a man. But that's the stunning claim of Christianity, isn't it? That in Jesus, we encounter more than just a man. We also encounter God. That in Jesus, God has come. And why did he come? Well, the Bible tells us he came to deal with sin. He came to deal with your sin and my sin. With the sins of the whole world. With everything that separates us from God. He came to lay down his life on a cross. To give his life up in our place. To be the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. How is he a gate? Well, he's a gate because he opens the way. Just put it, just humor me. Humor Max earlier. Humor me. Who here has walked through a gate? Just give me a wave a hand if you've walked through a gate. Yes, we've all done it. That's good practice for later. We're all going to respond metaphorically. There's a gate outside the office. If you haven't walked, there's one there. Go and give it a go after the service. Gates open the way for things. The mystery of Jesus and the cross is that somehow what's going on there opens up the way back to God. Because a sacrifice was needed to reconcile us, to bring humanity and God back together again. A sacrifice has always been needed. And Jesus' death brings that about. He's the gate. Hebrews 10 verses 19 to 20 say this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, how? By the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain. You know, curtain slash gate. The curtain in the temple torn in two, opened up. A new and living way opened up for us through the curtain. That is his body. In other words... The New Testament understands this gate to have been opened up by the body of Christ being broken for us on the cross. And therefore, since we have this confidence to enter, Hebrews says, let us draw near to God. The gate, the narrow gate has been opened by Christ. We can draw near. His broken body is our gate. It's shocking language if you, if you think it through. It's basically saying, picture the body of Christ. Imagine I'm Christ. Picture Christ torn in two, his body broken. Nails in his hands, spear in his side. But, but see it spiritually deeper than that. His whole body rent in two, opened up. What Jesus is saying is, if you want to approach God, you have to pass through me. 
You have to climb through my body. Can you imagine doing that in life? I mean, it, it would actually be possible, I guess, with a human. If, I mean, I don't want to dwell on it for too long. But if you were to, oh, you could. But it would be narrow. And it would be bloody. But that's the deep truth. No one comes into God's presence if they're not covered in the blood of his son. Do you understand that? You don't go there, get there, without going through him. I mean, talk about being born again. A baby from a womb. You with me? You seeing the offensive uniqueness of Jesus yet? But it's what the scriptures claim about him. It's what he claims of himself. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. Who does that leave? No one. Peter boldly states in Acts 4 verse 12, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. There is no other gate. And it is narrow. And it is deeply offensive to others. Others who would claim to be the gate or have the gate themselves. It's offensive to the Jews. Those hearing him for the first time. They would have heard him and been like, we have the gate. We're descendants of Abraham. They didn't respond too well, did they, to the claims of Christ being the Messiah. And what's happened post his resurrection. Stephen, one of the disciples, called in front of the religious leaders, the teachers of the law, He's giving them a lecture. He's preaching the gospel at them. They hate it. They're, they're just burning with anger. And then it says, just before they rush him, that he's, he looks up to heaven. He has a vision. He sees, I see the glory of God, and I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And for them, that's enough. They rip their clothes. You know this story? They rip their clothes. They come at him. They take him outside. They stone him to death. It's offensive. Offensive to the Jews. It's offensive to Muslims. They say, but we have the gate. Muhammad is God's prophet. For them, God is aloof. God is separate. It's blasphemy to claim that God has a son. I was in Jerusalem last year. Jerusalem's divided into four quarters. Muslim quarter, Christian quarter, Jewish quarter, Armenian quarter. Christian quarter sort of backs onto the Islamic quarter. And in part of the Islamic quarter, the a wall nearest the Christian quarter, in view of the marketplace, there's some graffiti on the wall that simply reads, God has no son. It's offensive to Islam, to Muslims. It's offensive to Hindus. You realize Hindus, they worship some 330 million gods. I mean, that's a lot of gates. A lot of openings. Jesus comes along and says, I'm the way. I am the only way. Offensive to secular atheists, perhaps here in London, the cultured sect, who would say, respond perhaps like, oh, we don't even believe there is a gate. <laughs> uh, you know, let's all just get along. You know, don't be too divisive. Jesus has other ideas, doesn't he? He's offensive. His claims are because they're exclusive. But when it comes to the truth, Jesus is greedy. He is.
is greedy. He wants it all because he is. He is the whole truth. And the gate is narrow. And he calls us here to enter. It's a simple statement, isn't it? Just look down at it. Just that sentence. Enter through the narrow gate. Command. Full stop. Enter. In other words, it's not going to happen by accident. You don't just find yourself on the narrow path. You must choose it. Like Joshua in the Old Testament, like he said to the people of Israel as he took the helm after Moses. He says, choose today whom you will follow. As for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. Each of us must choose whether to enter or not. Each of us must choose today. Do you hear the sense of urgency? Enter. Do not delay. Today is the day of salvation. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know if there'll be a tomorrow for you or for me. I mean, we hope there will. God willing, we'll pray for it. But we don't know. We don't know when the Lord will return. But we do know that he says that when he does, that's it. Time's up. The door, the gate is shut. And there's warning after warning in the New Testament that at that time, people, millions, billions, will come banging on the gate, banging on the door, saying, please open up, please. I didn't realize. I'm so sorry, but it's too late. Enter now. Enter today. Enter alone. Great preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones, he, he likened this gate to being more of a turnstile than a gate. You with me? few turnstiles around nowadays but turnstiles basically they just admit one person at a time when you come to Christ you come alone not in a crowd not saying oh I was part of the church I was part of the five at St. Dee's don't you know it not because your parents were Christians you do your own you come alone Enter, enter today, enter alone, enter humbly. The gate is narrow. It won't allow us to bring our baggage. You picture a mountain pass, if you've been hiking before. You picture yourself getting to a, a, a section that is so narrow with rock face either side that it won't even allow you to go through with your rucksack on. You have to take your baggage off. You can't take anything with you. That's the invitation here. It's an invitation to choose to trust in Christ alone. It's not enough to admire his teachings. It's not enough to think he was a great bloke. It's not enough to like his ethics or his morals. We're a Christian country. Many in hell will have been admirers of Christ's teachings whilst here on earth. This is the call for us to move beyond that. To get on our knees. To confess our sin. To leave this, the rucksack of our pride, of our own deeds, of our own good works. To leave that behind on the side and enter. It's a tough call, isn't it? Full on. I mean, this whole series has been full on. But this is a full on ending to the series. It's too much for some. You know, there was a newspaper article many years ago in Melbourne, Australia. Um, from someone who had heard Billy Graham preach. You remember Billy Graham, the great preacher, revivalist, evangelist? This is what he wrote to the newspaper. 
after hearing Dr. Billy Graham on the air, viewing him on television and reading reports and letters concerning him and his mission, I am heartily sick of this type of religion that insists my soul needs saving, whatever that means. I have never felt that I was lost, nor do I feel that I daily wallow in the mire of sin, although repetitive preaching insists that I do. Give me a practical religion that teaches gentleness and tolerance, that acknowledges no barriers of color or creed, that remembers the aged and teaches children of goodness and not sin. If in order to save my soul I must accept such a philosophy as I have recently heard preached, I prefer to remain forever damned. Thank you. Don't be like that man. Choose the narrow gate. Choose Christ. Enter it today. Everything else and eternity flows from that. The scary truth is, guys, that right now, here today, each of us, every one of us here, has already made our choice, whether we know it or not. You see, there's no, there's no middle ground, is, it? is there? There's, there's no sort of crossroads or T-junction that it shows people waiting at. Jesus says there is a narrow gate, there is a wide gate. And if we haven't chosen the narrow gate, if we haven't put our trust in Christ alone, then Jesus is saying by default, we've taken the wide gate. We're already on the broad road. One choice, two gates, leading to very different roads. One narrow, one wide, one hard, one easy. If you want an easy life, do not become a Christian. Don't seek to be a follower of Jesus Christ. The gate is narrow and the path and road sure as heck doesn't get any wider. The founder was crucified. Eleven of the twelve apostles were martyred. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, uh, was imprisoned a number of times. He was flogged, he was shipwrecked, he was stoned, he was spat on, he was cold, he was naked, he was hungry, he was thirsty. We can probably put our hands up for maybe two or three of those. You want an easy life? Pick the wide gate, the broad road. That won't make any demands on you. There you can carry on whatever lifestyle you like. You can drink what you like. You can smoke what you like. You can sleep with whatever you like. Well, it's going that way, isn't it? And perhaps most importantly, you can believe what you like and still think everything's fine and you're going to heaven. Because on the wide road, people make their own rules. No one judges anyone else. Tolerance is king. None of this narrow-minded nonsense of Christianity. You ever had someone say that to you? That they find you a bit narrow-minded? They're probably quite, quite polite about it. I hope so. I hope they have said that to you. Because God will not share his glory with another. You have the mind of Christ, and that is narrow. It's not easy being a disciple. It's not comfortable holding on to orthodox biblical views in the culture we live in. Jesus is offensive spiritually. He makes exclusive claims. We've seen that with the gate. He's also offensive morally. We see that with the narrow road. 
the life he calls his followers to live will bring them into direct conflict with the ethical and moral worldview of the culture around them. Have you found that? I mean, just tomorrow, just try speaking up about the orthodox Christian view of marriage in the culture we live in, given that gay marriage is, is now legal. It's amazing where the culture's gone in the last 10, 20, 30 years. How the church and orthodox Christian views are now seen as immoral in the eyes of the culture. You know? Immoral to hold those views, to, to hold people bound, to not liberate. Opposition exists to Christian views, to Christian lifestyle. But Jesus calls us to go against the grain. He calls us to stay true to his word, to declare who he is and live his way in his world, no matter what the opposition. We feel like we're walking up, upstairs on a busy escalator with everyone coming down. You ever done that, made an error? Probably at an airport, tr rushing for a gate. You think it's down here and you say, oh no, and you're halfway down and you're like an idiot trying to make your way through like dozens of people coming the other way and you're going against gravity. It's tricky. It's a challenging, difficult road. Picture that pathway in the mountains with sheer rock on each side, shoulder width. The word narrow literally carries the sense of being in a grape press, being crushed. Lovely vision of the Christian life that's being painted, isn't it? But it's real. There's different evangelistic techniques. Sign up here. See me at the end. There's no give. Jesus wants his disciples, wants us to know that there is no give. There is no freedom to deviate from the path. We do not have the right to redefine the ethics and morals by which God calls us to live. He calls us to hold unflinchingly to the truth, no matter the opposition. Right now, Christians pay with their lives for what they believe, what they confess, how they live. Let's not dishonor them or Christ by getting loose or liberal with the truth. And yet... The beauty of it is that our gate is not stone or wood, but rather flesh and blood. Meaning that Jesus, the narrow gate, is able to stand firm on truth whilst reaching out with love and compassion, embracing sinners, broken men and women like you and me. Like the woman called in adultery, whom he spared from being stoned, even whilst he called her to leave her life of sin. And so too, are we called to hold to truth whilst offering the welcome and love that Jesus offers the world? It's a narrow road, guys. And if we're honest, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, don't you find it tough? I find it tough sometimes. I mean, I'll be honest, like, I, I like an easy life quite often. I mean, I enjoy my home comforts. I'm a fan of Netflix. At least I've got a friend's login details. You know, I, I like to, is that, I think that's, I think that's fine. Is it legal? Um, in many ways, I'd love to be able to go with the flow, to avoid conflict, to, to not have to hold these narrow, controversial views that the Bible says that we should. And let's be honest, sometimes, a lot of the time, the wide road just looks deeply attractive. It looks fun. It looks easy looks spacious, certainly is that. Definitely looks like it has the best parties, don't you think? 
I just love doing Alpha here. Nicky Gumbel, in one of his talks, he, he talks about when he was at university, the Christians u- there used to hold porridge parties. <laughs> I mean, what? But then he said he went to one and he had a good time. I think we should bring them back. We look at the wide path. We want to be on it. Don't you? And yet we choose the narrow road because we know that however great those things are, however tempting, Jesus is greater still. And our love for him surpasses all else. So we dig deep. We persevere. Because we want to obey his call for us to count the cost, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow him. It's full of blessings, the Christian life, full of blessings, here and now, today, in this life. But in case that's not enough, Jesus gives us an an eternal reality to help motivate us too. Two gates, two roads, two destinations, very quickly. Why does anyone choose the wide gate, the wide road, if that's where it ends? Well, Proverbs 14.2 says this, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. You see, guys, the people taking the wide gate today, choosing the wide road, they're on it. They take it because they think it leads to life. They think they're making a good choice. We've got to get that clear in our heads. I mean, there's no religion or worldview or philosophy out there that is selling death and hell. Yeah? I mean, no one's like, join us, come follow us. We're on our way to hell. It, do, it just doesn't sell. The sign above each gate, the wide and the narrow, reads the same. It says, enter this gate to find life. But Jesus says the reality is that only one leads there. The other leads to destruction. Or in the Bible's language, hell. You know, we probably don't talk about hell enough as a church. We should do more. Jesus spoke about hell more than he spoke about heaven. And more than anyone else spoke about hell. Why? I guess because he's so desperate for none of us to go there. Desperate enough to give his life. You know many of the images. A place of fire, of darkness, unending pain and torment. Tears, anger, eternal separation, loneliness. But you know the thing that gets me most, gets me more than anything? Is just imagining the regret The regret of millions. Currently, the regret that many of my family, those nearest, dearest to me, face. If they go now. The regret that they heard time and again. The warnings. The invitations to enter. For one reason or another, they put it off. Perhaps they laughed it off, thinking they were fine. And the regret they'll feel on that day when they realize it was all true, all of it. But then now it's too late. It's unbearable. And the wide road takes you there. And if you haven't chosen Christ, then you're on it. Not my way. Jesus. You're on that road. So make a U-turn. Please.
sat-nav moment, isn't it? When you head in that wrong direction and that voice comes on. Do they, do they do voices anymore? Maybe. Let's turn mine off. No, please perform U-turn immediately. Guys, tonight, if you're not sure, perform that U-turn. The good news is it's not too late yet. You can choose the narrow gate today. You can enter in right now and begin to follow that narrow road. It's challenging. It's difficult. But in the end, it leads to life and life in all its fullness. It leads to heaven, the very presence and vision of God, of Jesus. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine that place? We probably don't talk about that enough either. Heaven. A place of no more tears, of no more pain, no more sorrow or death, no more sickness, loneliness, fear. But a brand new creation in a new glorious city where we've got new resurrection bodies. Nothing aches. We can just go for it in whatever we're doing. I'm playing sport. I don't know what you're doing. Amazing. Everything you love about life, friendship, community, laughter, Netflix, as much as you, you know, I mean, to be fair, some of those programs do belong in hell, but we won't go there. <laughs> it's the best. And it's almost unbelievable. In fact, 1 Corinthians says that we can't even imagine what God's got stored up for us who believe in Christ, who follow this path, who chose the narrow gate, who love and worship Jesus and trust in him alone. We can't even imagine it. Just even right now, just imagine the best thing. Imagine the best place you could imagine. And God's saying, it's better than that. You can't imagine it, he says. Don't try. Sorry, it's a bit aggressive. That's the destiny. The destiny for all who choose the narrow gate, who enter in and walk the narrow road. It's worth it, friends. It's worth it. Two gates, two roads, two destinations. And just a couple of sentences, two groups. Jesus describes the wide gate and the wide road and says that many enter through it. Equally, he describes the narrow gate and the narrow road and says that only a few find it. So as we close tonight, can I ask you, which group are you in? Are you in the many? Or are you in the few? Are you not sure? It's an amazing but sobering verse in 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Passages like today's leave us wanting to do just that, don't they? To sort of do a spiritual inventory, sort of health checkup. To ask ourselves, what gate have I chosen? Am I trusting in Christ and Christ alone? How's my walk along the road with him going? Am I sticking to the narrow path? Or am I getting distracted and taking the slip road? Off to Abergood Time Avenue. That's the best I could think of. Or Party Time Plaza. Don't be distracted. Examine yourself to see whether you're in the, play, in the faith. And that looks like Jesus. Jesus alone, from beginning to end. Enter through the narrow gate. Everything else depends on it. I'd love us to respond. We've got a few minutes. Um, could be that you're here tonight and 
if you're honest, you don't know which road you're on. You don't know which gate you've chosen. Or even if you've once thought you did, you're now not so sure. And I don't want anyone to leave here tonight doubting, fearing, worrying. So I want to lead us in, in a prayer that will enable you to be sure tonight that you're putting your faith, your trust back in Jesus Christ. He calls us all to come and follow. He, he calls us to count the cost. We've seen a bit of that tonight. But if you've done that, if you know what the narrow path will take, but you still want to commit, follow, choose the narrow path, the narrow gate, then I want to encourage you to echo this prayer in your heart. In fact, I, I want to go a step further. I was in a school a week ago. We were doing a mission week. And the first couple of days did laid the groundwork for believing, having faith. Third night, preached the gospel, called for a response. And I asked the kids there, I said, if you want to respond, pray this prayer, then stand in a moment when I give the invitation and I'll lead you. 60 kids in the room. I said, okay, if you want it, stand now. Most awkward silence in my life. About a good 30 seconds, no one stood. And then one. And then two. And then... 30 plus kids stood up, committing, recommitting to Jesus. If you want to do that tonight, if you've been a Christian, you know you're a Christian, you were just with him, you had a vision of him earlier this morning, but you just want to stand anyway, then I encourage that. I'd love us all to be standing. But if you want to pray this prayer, then stand now. Let's respond. Let's enter through the narrow gate tonight. And as I pray this prayer, just echo it in your heart. Own it for yourself. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for your words this evening, for speaking to me. Thank you that you make clear the choice between two different gates. I want to say tonight that I'm choosing you. I'm choosing to put all my hope and trust in you. To enter through the narrow gate. To choose to walk along the narrow road that leads to life. Leads to you forever. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you gave your life for me, that I might enter through you, the narrow gate. Forgive me, Lord, for living life my way. Forgive me my sin. I now turn to you. I choose you. Please come into my life, into my heart, by your Holy Spirit and live with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, in a, I want to say in a 
really significant way for yourself, and you'll know if that's the case, then I'd love you to come at the end of the service and just have a word. Let myself know, or Max and Meeks. Let someone know. Tell someone. Don't keep it to yourself. But thank you, guys. I'm going to hand back to Max and Meeks.